This is the Soul Power Podcast with your hosts, Angela Jordan and Cheryl Burt. Welcome to the Soul Power Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Jordan. And I'm your host, Cheryl Burke. Thanks for joining us. So today, we thought we might chat a little bit about the corporate tendencies and patterns that we tend to take with us when we leave corporate America. And, you know, it's no wonder that you do because you might have been in corporate for quite some time and that's what you learned and no one ever really teaches you what to do if you start your own business. So having structure in a corporate environment is something we're all used to and something that most of us have experienced. So today we want to talk a little bit about some of those patterns and how we can identify them and then how we can shift those patterns so that we're in more of a solopreneur mindset rather than corporate mindset, because it is, you know, it is ours now. It's, we're not working for someone else. So one of the first things that people take with them when they leave corporate and go out on their own is a nine to five schedule or some version of having set office hours. And they feel as though if they are not at their desk working, they're not doing their job. So in, um, in a corporate environment, having those set office hours and making sure that you are showing that you're actually getting work done during that whole time and that you're available to the clients and your colleagues and your bosses, it's, it's set up so that you're proving that you're earning your salary so that when (laughs) you leave corporate, you feel that you have to do the same thing in order to earn your worth as a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you are your own boss at this point. So it doesn't matter if you have nine to five uh, business hours or eight to five, or that you always have your cell phone at the ready, or you always have your laptop out. Um, You don't necessarily have to adhere to those hours. If your natural working time, if you feel like you have more brain power at four o'clock in the afternoon, then make your start time, you know, noon and you work until eight or 11 to seven or even four in the afternoon until midnight, whatever works best for you and your schedule and your natural rhythm is what you should do. When we're in corporate, we're taught that we have to be there eight to five, nine to five to be able to serve our clients. We have to be there for our East Coast clients. We have to make sure that someone's there for the West Coast client. So someone's always got to be at the office. And that's just not the case when you're a solopreneur. You get to choose. And you can set your hours. They don't have to be the same every day. They don't have to be the same every week. They don't have to be a set block of eight hours. You could work... Uh, every day from 10 to noon, and then take some time off for lunch, uh, another couple of hours in the afternoon. And then, um, you know, if you've got kids at home, get them, get them home from school, get them settled. And then another few hours in the evening. So you, you have the flexibility 
to make your work time work for you and fit into your life. It's much more of a work to live as opposed to live to work mindset. Absolutely. You don't have to prove to anyone that you're working during the day, um, just to yourself. So, you know, it's, it's kind of all up to you, what you want your work schedule to look like. And let's be honest, most of us started our own businesses because we wanted work-life balance and we wanted to be able to control our schedules. I know that was definitely part of the reason that I became a solopreneur. I wanted to be able to come and go as I pleased, (laughs) which sounds sort of arrogant, but it really, I want to be able to go to a two hour lunch on a Wednesday afternoon and then come back and work until eight o'clock at night if I want to, if that's the way it works for me, I don't have to adhere to the nine to five schedule. I think all of us take some corporate things with us when we go. And as I said at the beginning, it's sort of a totally understandable that we would do that. Something that I still struggle with, and this is, you know, 10 years since I left the corporate world. If I'm out to lunch with someone, I will still occasionally get the fleeting thought, what time is it? I got to get back to the office. They're expecting me back at the office. And then I, okay, calm myself down. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to get back to the office. It's okay. You can stay here for another half an hour, 45 minutes and go home and work on whatever. So we're not saying, you know, get rid of all of these mindsets and patterns right here and now. Just want to make you aware that you took some of these patterns with you when you left the corporate world and how you can make your business more in line with who you are as a person and what your values are. And we also, um, one of those other things that we likely take with us from corporate is you have to be in the office to do the work, though that's less now. You don't always have to be in the office to do the work, though you may have set up an office in your home. Well, the beautiful thing is that you can likely work from anywhere. Um, So if you want to go to your favorite coffee shop or you want to meet your buddy and co-work, you can do that. Um, I wouldn't take client calls from a coffee shop. At least I personally wouldn't, but some people do. But if you've got other things that you need to write or creative work you need to do, and that's an environment that you flourish in, then then you can do that, which is a lovely thing. I agree. So professional dress. Professional dress. You know, some of us are old enough, me, that when they first started working, they were required to wear pantyhose with a skirt or with dress pants and dress shoes. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Pantyhose. This is, you know, 1993, 1994, my first real corporate job. And my corporation was not the only one that enforced those kinds of dress codes and rules. Did you have anything like that at your, at where you worked? Oh yeah. There was, um, n- not, not the pantyhose or the stockings uh, necessarily. <laughs> and, uh, I only wear skirt about two or three times a year, no matter where I work. Um, 
but there there are corporate dress standards and you know it's it's in the intention behind it obviously is to have a professional appearance so that um when you're interacting with clients specifically but also within the organization that um you're taken seriously but what that does mean is sometimes a corporate dress code extends across the entire corporation. No, sh- like a famous one is you can't wear shorts. Nobody can wear shorts. Um, so can anyone wear if- shorts anywhere? Mm-hmm. Can anyone wear shorts at any company? Um, they didn't used to be able to, but I have one very specific um, uh, situation where, you know, there's, the company has got 30,000 people in it. Nobody's allowed to wear shorts. The problem is three or four or five of the thousand of those people actually work outside yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Um, so when it is 95 degrees Fahrenheit and a large portion of the company is sitting inside air conditioned offices, no big deal. But what about those several thousand people who were out driving around mm-hmm. all of the place, all over the place and they're sweating like crazy and they, yeah. I mean, they're hot and they can't think straight. So things like that <laughs> yeah. uh, help. I mean, nobody needs to be in a, in a tie and a button down shirt and a suit jacket and long pants when they're out meeting somebody to, you know, look at a roof or to look at a vehicle or to look at any number of things. Business casual. I can remember coming into the workplace somewhere around the late nineties, somewhere around 2000. It seemed like it was very easy for men to just wear a golf shirt and khakis and, you know, dress shoes. But for women, you know, business casual, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what business casual is. Well, you spend a lot of time thinking about your clothes. Yeah. And and, um, in a lot of places, a lot of money buying your clothes that Mm -hmm. you're only going to wear to one very specific point in your life and don't actually fit the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I do recommend as a solopreneur that you dress professionally when you're going to be on a Zoom call or you're going to be doing um, meetings, going out to meet people. Even if you've just got a really busy day in front of you, I know for me, just being in the headspace of I am a professional, I own my business, I need to look the part. I think it's important to know how you present yourself to the public and make sure that you do dress somewhat professionally, but you don't have to have a code. You don't have to have the same, you know, stringent rules that a corporation does. Absolutely. And you it lets your personality shine through and it lets people know a little bit more who they're getting uh, than maybe a professional dress code um, would allow them to learn as they meet you. Next on our list is short-term measurable goals that may or may not align with the company's long-term goals. I know, I know everyone. I heard a big screech out there. I know everyone hates this having to do things that are not in line with who you are, but are in line with the company's long-term goals. Sometimes you're in alignment with the company's goals and values, and sometimes you're not. A a lot of times these are artificial, um, especially larger corporations. There's the end of month. 
And end of month might not actually be the last day of the month. A lot of times it's end of month is the last Friday of the month. And it has to do with the corporate um, earnings reporting structure. And at a corporation, it makes a lot of sense. But what that usually ends, what usually ends up happening is everyone's rushing the last two or three days of the month to try to close as many things as they can and try to finish as many things as they can. And a lot of times what happens is clients sort of get rushed through something um, and it's not necessarily to their best interest mm -hmm. yeah. as a solopreneur, your clients are your company besides yourself, your clients are your company and your relationship with them is really important. So rushing to meet an end of month goal is probably not best for your client. Now, there are certain things that you will have to meet, of course. You, you want to make sure that you do your invoicing so that you're paid in the proper calendar year because though that is an artificial goal, it is a legal one for tax purposes. So you <laughs> got to make sure that, that the money's falling on the side of the line that you need it to fall on. Um, usually it's the side of the line that you have done the work in. So please make sure you're getting paid properly. But you have a lot more flexibility and control over when things are done, when things are due, and what's going to be best for you as a human, your business as an entity, and your clients as your clients. There's a reason that, you, that you're in this business, and it's generally speaking, your clients. Yeah. So you want to serve them as best as you can. Well said. Well said. The next one on our list is definitely the one I feel the most passionately about. <laughs> I have mentioned this in other versions of this podcast or rather other episodes of this podcast in corporate America specifically, but corporations worldwide, there is a fixed amount of vacation time. In the US, it is regularly two weeks or less per year, or you start out with two weeks and then you can earn more as you're in a corporation over time. I have very strong feelings about this. Um, <laughs> I do not well. taking off. Can't imagine why I'm a travel coach, not taking <laughs> off enough time is not good for people. We are not built to work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, no matter what is possible due to the absolutely fantastic technology we have. No matter what your boss thinks or his boss thinks or her boss thinks or their boss thinks up and up and up and up the levels. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. You <laughs> need time off. You are built to rest and, and relax and replenish yourself. Testify. So having only two weeks off or three weeks off, especially if you have other family commitments where you have to work around a school schedule is something that people bring with them. Well, I can't, I can't take, I can't take a month off. I can't take mm -hmm. six weeks off. I can't, I can't, I can't. My business will fall apart. It won't fall apart. Mm -hmm. There is a very famous Ted talk. <laughs> Um, by a designer who shuts his company down for a full year every <laughs> seven years and sends everybody out into the world to travel and to surf and to do whatever feeds them. And when they come back, they have all of those experiences to draw on mm -hmm. and their creativity level is replenished and renewed. Now, as a solopreneur, you could shut down your business for an entire year. 
starting out, you probably don't want to. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to feel uncomfortable, first of all, but also you do have need some time to get some momentum and get get some things out and working. But you can take longer periods of time off, or you can take more time off, you know, uh, a week, a month or several days a month or whatever works for you and your situation with your, you know, your friends and your family and, and whoever else is in your life. So you do have that ability. It's, you don't need to feel guilty if you're taking more than the two weeks off mm-hmm. that you've always had. You might feel guilty. Many companies and organizations for that matter, not just companies, expect that you'll be there the majority of the year and that when you take your vacation time you're being selfish even though it is your right to take vacation time many companies and organizations make you feel bad for taking that time Uh, in america many people start out with two weeks of vacation and that might be a week during the summer and piecemeal days through the rest of the year, but that two weeks has gone in a flash. So even though Cheryl's the travel coach here, I'm going to reiterate, (laughs) you need to take time off because you can't help anyone if you're dead. (laughs) Really, that's that's what it all boils down to. If If you're so burned out, you can't think. Right. Right. If you're working yourself to death, you are not going to be present and available for your clients. Take that time off to rest and relax and rejuvenate. That's what it's there for. And that's one of the beauty parts of being a solopreneur is that you get to set your schedule day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, whatever you like. It's nice. I was just sharing with someone this morning that I had to do a radiation treatment for my breast cancer pretty much the whole month of April. And it was every single morning at nine. And if I worked somewhere, I would have been anxious the entire time I was there. Oh gosh, I got to get back to the office. How long is this going to take? And how long am I going to, I'm going to have to work through lunch. And how long am I going to have to stay at the end of the day? And it was so nice knowing I'm a solopreneur, I manage and control my own schedule so I could be there every morning at nine o'clock and not freak out that I had stuff to do at the office when I got back. Just, yeah, yeah, it's nice to be able to do those things if you own your own business and have that kind of flexibility. Yes, you get to take care of yourself. And make time for the things that are important to you, um, health-wise, family-wise, whatever you need. You you get that choice. We hear the phrase, think outside the box so much that we kind of tune it out. And everyone seems to use it. But in this case, I'm gonna I'm gonna use it because when you work in corporate America, you think inside the box. And not only do you think inside the box, but that box is defined for you. And here are the parameters that you need to do this project within. You really can't think outside of the box too much. I have encountered times where you think outside of the box and the people you work with think that's what they want, but they don't want it. (laughs) They want things to be 
the way they always have been and no change. It's very nice to be a solopreneur and know that you can do whatever you want. There doesn't even have to be a box, let alone thinking outside of it. You can do whatever you want and you define what that looks like. Absolutely. Another thing that people get used to in a corporate environment is that there is accountability built right in. Mm-hmm. I've never met a single soul who worked in corporate who didn't know who their direct manager was mm-hmm. and how the whole chain of command, for lack of a better term, was set up. So there's accountability. You know that somebody somebody is watching you do what you do. You know that their job partially depends on you doing your job well. So there's accountability. You're going to meet those deadlines. You're going to stay under budget. You're going to make the number of calls you need to make, whatever it is in in your particular situation. There's accountability built right in. There's a defined time that you need to do it. There's a defined way you need to do it. And there's a defined uh, system for knowing whether or not you've been successful. And that's something that when you go out into the world as a solopreneur, you kind of lose that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's nice that there's not somebody um, looking over your shoulder all the time, but now you can work anytime. You can do anything you want, which also means you can do no work at any time and you can do nothing <laughs> and nobody's going to notice. Right. So this whole switch from corporate to solopreneur is, as most things are, a little bit of a double-edged sword. There are some great (laughs) things about becoming a solopreneur, and there are some really tricky things about becoming a solopreneur. And this, you know, change in the accountability structure is definitely one of the challenging bits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I struggle with it because I am really good at starting a project and having ideas, not always great at finishing a project and doing follow through. So unless I have accountability from someone, I may or may not push myself forward to get that project done. But if I know that someone is counting on me and a client has paid me to do something, that that accountability is there for sure. Yeah. And the accountability issue doesn't usually come into those client relationships because you do have somebody there. It's that back-end stuff. It's the develop a thing that you've had in the back of your mind and you know will serve your clients really well, but now you have to carve out the time to do it and actually make that happen. And if you do, it will change lives. And if you don't, nobody will know that you didn't. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's that accountability piece that, um, as we mentioned in another podcast, you might want to surround yourself with other people doing similar things and get yourself a, maybe an accountability partner. You check in every week at a certain time, uh, whatever it is that works for you to make sure that you know that you're going to have to talk to somebody about whether or not you did your thing, whatever your thing was that week and um, how it's going, but you also get a sounding board, which is nice mm-hmm. because you don't usually have one as a so- solopreneur. So you can get an accountability partner who's your sounding board. And so you start to build yourself a little bit of a team, even if it's just a team of one, it's kind of lovely. It is. It's very nice. 
Another thing that is sort of set in concrete in corporate America is the predictability of it. You know that you're going to bed at 10.30, getting up at 6.30, going to that job by 8, you'll be home by 5.30. You know what events are coming up on the calendar at work. You know what projects you're working on. And everything is pretty predictable. And for those people who really need uh, structure, that's great. You know, some people want to work in corporate America the rest of their lives because of that predictability. It's something they can count on and it's stability and it's routine. And you don't always have that when you start your own business. Um, it's not always predictable. You don't always know what's coming and you might not have the same schedule every day. And that's the fun of it, but that can also be tricky. Mm -hmm. The other predictability piece from a corporate environment, of course, is you know when you get paid. <laughs> yeah. You know that on these two days each month you get paid or on this one day every month you get paid so you can budget yourself accordingly. As a solopreneur, you can set things up like that, but it takes time. You can't do it from the beginning. Um, and no matter how well you set things up, sometimes things are going to be uh, unpredictable. And there's, mm -hmm. that's just the nature of it because there's not this large mechanism behind you that's going to make sure that that paycheck gets cut on the 15th of the month every month, regardless of what our profits were doing that month, because we have all of this massive investment and all of these other contingencies that at least as, as you're starting out, uh, as a solopreneur, you probably don't have in place yet. Mm -hmm. You may very well get there, which is nice. And then you built that thing and that's yeah. cool too. Yeah. And that's something you call your own. The other thing that you get at a corporate position is a research and development department. <laughs> How nice. When they're creating a product that there is a market research department to research how it should go and what it should look like and who it should serve and all of those things, the market research folks do their stuff and then research and development make the thing. And so you get all these, these people who are very specialized in what they do and they're coming up with products and they're coming up with services and they're coming up with a process and a system and it's all wonderful. And then, you know, there's the implement, the implementation of it. You need, you need to learn the implementation of it usually at your, your level, wherever it might be. Um, or maybe you, you know, you're a C-suite and you're directing that who knows. And that's lovely to have those departments <laughs> and those folks who are solely paying attention to those things. Yeah. The trick of it is, and you're your whole company, <laughs> your market research and research and development and implementation and systems. Yes. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Yeah. That you're not unbelievably <laughs> gifted at every single one of those positions from the get go. And that ties in, you know, you you being the chief everything officer, as our, our friend Brooke says, you are the R&D department, you are marketing, you are systems, you know, you are the person who handles all of that. 
in that same vein, I have worked with quite a few clients now who have become solopreneurs and they release a product or a service. And if it doesn't take off right away, that's, ah, oh, forget it. I'm quitting. It's, I, you know, this is too hard. They expect immediate results. And there's, I can see how that's tempting to just put something out there and well, I've made it. People should just come and get it. When you think back to your corporate life and you think about the process that a project went through before it was released or dropped, how many steps were involved in that process? Was there research and development? Was there strategy? Were there meetings? So there are other people doing those jobs when you're in corporate and now it's you, but again, have grace with yourself. You're not going to sell products off the shelf right away. You have to allow yourself time to get your business up and going, determine exactly what your products or services are going to look like, target your target demographic, and go through the whole process. So you don't have to necessarily go through everything that you did in corporate America, but keep in mind what steps were involved to get something launched uh, when you were in corporate America. It probably took, you know, six months to a year to make sure that everything was in line. So give yourself that grace as well for your own services and products, knowing that they don't have to take off right away. It's not a sign that you're failing as a business if everyone doesn't buy your crochet kit right off the bat within the first three months. You never can tell. I mean, there a lot of times there's a department that creates a market for something that they're bringing to market. Well, that's a lot of people and a lot of effort and money that went to creating a market. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of playing field. It's a different, it's a different, actually, it's not even a different kind of playing field. It's a different animal entirely. It is. It is. <laughs> it really is. You're right. So it's, it's makes sense that it wouldn't come quite the same way but it's good to know going in that it's not going to come quite the same way so that you don't get frustrated and you don't give up on something that's really fantastic. Mm -hmm. You just need to give a little bit more time and maybe uh, different kinds of effort in other places before it comes to, uh, comes to fruition. So along with the lack of accountability and the lack of predictability and the lack of certainty of how things are going to happen naturally comes being uncomfortable. Because when we go, when we walk into the unknown in any situation, we are uncomfortable. And it can be anything from you have to walk into a room full of people you don't know, you have to learn a technology you don't understand, you have to actually go out there and put your face in front of people and tell them what you do. <laughs> and it feels very personal what you do. So it's uncomfortable to tell them what you do because now they're going to say, I don't like that. And that means they don't like you. And you know, all that head trash that kind of spins <laughs> you out. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to be uncomfortable and 
if you uh, just as you're coming out of corporate, you're not used to that, or you're not used to the same kind of uncomfortable. There's uncomfortable at work, and then there's uncomfortable <laughs> personally. And being a solopreneur comes with more personal discomfort than most <laughs> people are you to go in with the mindset that I'm going to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. This is going to be where I live for a while can help manage some of that. So that when you come up against something that is uncomfortable, you think, well, I knew this was coming. I knew I was going to be uncomfortable. Look, I'm right. And then you do it anyway. Yeah. 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 We often don't, as humans, we don't want to be uncomfortable because our our brains want certainty. We love certainty as humans. And when we don't have it, we get anxious. And so that not knowing the future and being uncomfortable for a while is uncomfortable for us. And it is. That's how it is for all of us. But that doesn't mean that you can't lean into it and be okay with being uncomfortable. Hopefully it's not for a long time. It's briefly, but it's okay being uncomfortable because you'll be comfortable again at some point. Yep. And we grow in the uncomfortable. Um, this is something that I, I frequently have people practice or at least notice when they go on a trip. You are literally out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Learn how, how you operate in that. Learn what's possible for you in that. Um, it's the other reason why I suggest that people get out of the office and go on a trip somewhere is you need to get yourself out of your comfort zone so that you can stretch and you can grow. Um, and that's a large part of what being a solopreneur is, at least to begin with, is there's a lot of stretching and a lot of growing and a lot of uncertainty. Um, so just, just do with it what you can. Yeah. And, you know, we're not used to, as solopreneurs, you know, as, as I said uh, earlier, we think inside the box in corporate America, and that box is defined for us. When you're a solopreneur, there might or might not be a box. We are not used to setting our own vision. We are used to following someone else's vision. So, that can be uncomfortable too. Oh my gosh, I've got to come up with everything for my business. That can be a little daunting. That can be scary, but you can do it and you don't have to do it all yesterday. You can do it in small steps that are achievable that move you closer and closer and closer to that goal. You don't have to bite off more than you can chew. Yes. One of the biggest lies that solopreneurs <laughs> tell themselves is I should be further than I am right now. Mm -hmm. I should have more done by now than I do. Yep. And everyone says it <laughs> and everyone believes it, but take some solace in the fact that everybody says it and everybody believes it Yeah, because you're not working at the one edge of all these massive departments that are putting everything together. You are putting everything together mm -hmm. and you're as far as you're supposed to be. And it will come. You had the idea for this. You have the passion for this. And that is all for a purpose. 
and you have no idea where this journey is going to take you, but you know that you're supposed to be on it. So keep making the small effort Mm -hmm. and you will get where you need to be. Where you end up is not exactly what you envisioned because quite frankly, where you end up is very rarely going to be what you envisioned. Yeah. But it's usually better. Yeah. I would agree with that. Not to be too bumper stickery about it, (laughs) Um, but everybody I know who's done this um, will say, well, this isn't exactly what I thought I was doing, but I'm doing this now and this is why, and it's so much better than I thought it would be, even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because it's hard, that makes it worth all the more when you achieve that goal, because it's your vision that you're achieving. It's not someone else's. You came up with this on your own and you're achieving it. That's a very big deal. You so you created something from nothing. And that's pretty cool. And your something from nothing is changing people's lives. Mm-hmm. So keep doing that. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. Whatever your that is, keep doing that. Keep doing it. Do your work. That's that's what your purpose is here on this planet is to do your work. The other thing that we want to touch on uh, briefly here is how to keep up your motivation when <laughs> there isn't somebody watching over you or you don't have an artificial deadline hanging over your head. As we said before, when you can do something whenever, you might not do something ever. (laughs) So one of the things that a lot of people do is they block their time out. They know that every week or every month at this time, they're going to do this thing. And it's a great way to keep up motivation, especially for the things that are sort of maybe the back end of your business, not the super fun, shiny new object things you get to do. (laughs) And it's not the client work, but it's things that are really important, paying the bills, doing the invoicing, doing that kind of thing. Um, So part of it is you can sort of schedule it to start and hope that you can you know, build that muscle over time. The other thing, of course, is you can always set yourself, you can make yourself a promise. I'm going to do this thing, whatever this thing is. It could be creative. It doesn't have to be invoicing. I'm going to do this thing for 25 minutes or 35 minutes or 40 minutes. And by the time you have reached the end of your allotted work time, you are likely into the project far enough that you want to keep going because mm-hmm. you're so much closer to being done and, or you are really excited about what you're doing because one of the things that a lot of people do is think everything's going to be harder or scarier or more difficult than it actually is. And it's the fear that stops us from doing the things mm-hmm. to start to do the things actually. Let's talk a little bit. I want to hear from your perspective how you keep up motivation and how motivation might be different for you than it is for me. Part of the way that I keep up my motivation is what I just outlined. Um, I build in a little bit of accountability. Um, I make sure that I'm, that's part of why I I have a mastermind group. I treat my mastermind group like a board of directors, but it's Mm -hmm. also monthly accountability to make sure that I get done the thing I wanted to get done. 
I never set a, an action item is what I call it. I never set an action item that is to follow up with this client or something with the client. That's not it. All of my action items are create a thing, create a trip, create a process, create a class, create whatever it is that I'm doing. It's creation stuff or it's marketing stuff. So it's, I have to tap into that creativity. It's not so much the doing, it's the vision and the dreaming that I need to make sure that I have um, some sort of accountability on. And I do block my time out and say, I'm going to start this here. Um, partially because I know that it's important to me. So it deserves time on my calendar, just like other things that are important to me, like my clients or, you know, personal things like doctor's appointments and things like that. But I am very much a person who needs the activation energy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can summon it. Like I, I wake up, I am super motivated. I can do all the things that day and then some. <laughs> and some days I wake up and I'm not so motivated. Mm -hmm. So to know that this is what I've already decided I'm going to do helps because I don't have to sit down at my desk and think, okay, I have a lot of things to do today. What is it that I'm going to do? Mm -hmm. I sit down at my desk and say, I have already determined this is what I'm going to do. So what I'm doing is I'm removing extra decisions and the ability to get in my head about it. Because <laughs> my head is a lovely place with a lot of different versions of reality. Because <laughs> I, I have great imagination. I can imagine anything going either very, very well or, or going sideways. But what I, what I do is make sure that I kind of get out of my own way mm -hmm. um, because I don't set anything for myself to do that I don't know I'm capable of. It doesn't mean I only do things I know and only do things I'm comfortable with because <laughs> that is absolutely not true, <laughs> but I know that I can figure it out. And so yeah. I chunk it in, I chunk it into steps and then I figure out one step at a time. And over time it, it gets done, which I mean, as a coach, <laughs> it's obvious that I would say something like that. But for me, the motivation is also partially the topic that I work in mm -hmm. as a life and travel coach. I am very interested in humans and how they work. I actually have a psychology degree and as a travel coach specifically, I love to travel. I love to talk about travel. I love to dream about travel. I love to research travel. I like to help other people travel. Mm -hmm. so a lot of what I get to do, and I'm saying it very specifically as a get to, not a have to, is I get to talk to people and I get to inspire people. Or more importantly, I get people to inspire themselves and they get to go on these trips they've always wanted to go on. And then they surprise themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, with what they were able to do and what they learned and what they could show their kids if they have kids and, you know, all of that. Solopreneurs rarely have a job where every day they can see the tangible progress of their work, at least starting out. Mm -hmm. We're all about outcome, <laughs> usually for other people. <laughs> so that's part of how I keep up the motivation is I get to talk to people about what they're excited about and some of their excitement naturally rubs off on me and some of my excitement naturally rubs off on them. And that that's kind of how I approach my days and weeks and months. But I also 
being who I am, almost always have a trip coming, (laughs) (laughs) which is something to look forward to and something to research and something to plan. And a lot of the research and the planning, of course, is something that I can um, then translate to share with somebody else. But it also gives me a finite amount of time. I know that I'm going to be out of town for a week at the end of the month. So I need to make sure that these things are done before I leave. So they cannot drag on forever. Whereas I don't think inside the box and I like to build my own box and they're very interesting shapes. I do build a box for myself, <laughs> a little bit of like at least a time frame box. And that seems to work for me. So that was my very long-winded answer to how I manage my, my own motivation and, and keep that up. Um, the other part actually that I did forget, which is probably the most important is um, I had to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that I do to put myself in the right frame of mind. And if I'm not done doing those things that I like to do every morning to get myself set up until 10 or 1030, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because part of my job and part of maintaining my energy and my motivation is taking care of myself. So I can help people better if I am healthy and Mm -hmm. grounded. So that's a huge part of my motivation and maintaining it long-term. That's awesome. (laughs) And, you know, we should, we should go back to uh, our training at IPEC. I don't know (laughs) if they, they did this with you or not, but to really drive home the point that you need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of other people. They explained this analogy to us. And that is when you are flying on a commercial airliner, typically the first, you know, five or 10 minutes are devoted to security and safety issues. The flight attendants will come on and, you know, tell you how to buckle your seatbelt and where the flotation devices are, et cetera. And part of that is in the event that the cabin loses pressure because cabins are are pressurized, a mask will drop down. And don't worry if you can't necessarily uh, feel the oxygen, it's there, but put it to your face first. And then to the people who you're with. And the reason for that is at that elevation, when an airplane cabin is not pressurized, you know, the the air is much thinner up there and you can black out pretty quickly. So unless you get that oxygen mask on yourself first, you're not able to help the people that you're with. So You're not really a use to people if you're dead. That's sort of the underlying message there. (laughs) And and it's one that you've heard now twice in this podcast. Yes, that's right. You really, you have to take care of yourself. Otherwise you cannot take care of other people. Yeah. As a podcast that is dedicated to women solopreneurs Mm -hmm. um, and our societal upbringing is to serve and serve and serve and serve other people a lot of times we put ourselves last Last. or we don't even make the list Mm -hmm. 
And in corporate, you can get away with that for a bit. <laughs> and as a solopreneur, my dear, you cannot. <laughs> right. It'll be very noticeable right away. I'll just be really direct and very blunt. Um, I, I'm very good at at, uh, at handholding and, and massaging and helping people believe in things and themselves. And I believe in all of that, but I believe just as strongly that you cannot neglect yourself and have mm -hmm. a successful business. You mm -hmm. just can't do it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So 100%. please don't try to gut through it. Go get yourself Prepare a massage, yourself. get your yeah. nails done, have yep. that nap, read that book, mm -hmm. drink that glass of wine, whatever. Journal, yoga, yeah. meditate, whatever you need to do. I know people who every so often, at least during the nicer months, will take their shoes off and go walk around in their grass to literally ground themselves mm, yeah. <laughs> or go walk around in the park, in the trees, in the forest, like go do something to clear your head. Because um, when you're in the weeds, trying to create a thing, especially creative things, you can get so stuck sometimes that you can't get, you can't think your way through it. Mm-hmm. The other, I mean, it's, it's the famous, all your great ideas come to you in the shower right? <laughs> because you turned your brain off and let everything sort of just figure itself out and you start making connections. Same thing happens on a walk or in the forest or meditating or whatever. Um, so give yourself those opportunities, uh, whatever self-care looks like to you, um, whatever taking care of yourself feels like to you, you do that. And Angela, I'd love to hear what you do to keep up your motivation if it's in addition to or instead of whatever we've already covered. <laughs> it's sort of in addition to, and it echoes the sentiment that you talked about and that, um, you know, having community and having that group of like-minded people who are in the same boat as you who also are trying to move their business forward and they've either been where you are or they're going to be where you are and they can lend support. They can lend resources, advice, help. Uh, so Cheryl and I are in a mastermind group together and that's uh, a group of women who get together once a month to talk about our businesses what's going on, you know, the successes that we've seen in our business, issues that we're encountering, new projects, what we're committing to for the next month. And those are all great accountability techniques. But what I really get from my mastermind group is that energy. It's that it's like a shot in the arm for me. It's okay. I, I, I'm on the right road. These women have helped kind of confirm that for me and they believe in me and I'm going to go home and get this stuff done. So for me, it's community. It's having those other people to bounce ideas off of and share things with. Absolutely. I do think it's telling that your motivation is other people and my motivation is meditation. Um, <laughs> That's why I wanted that to talk about this. And I'm the introvert. <laughs> That's exactly why I wanted to talk about this because I knew you would give an introverted answer and I would give an extroverted answer. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, what better way to illustrate that, you know, 
however it looks to you is what you should do and you know what helps you personally move forward in your business and and in life in general so yeah that was deliberate <laughs> that was a setup I shouldn't be surprised and I'm not really but as you were talking I thought oh that's I, clever I wonder if she did that on purpose yep she did I did I did sometimes uh -oh. I think ahead <laughs> <laughs> we will have resources in the show notes for you as well if you need a little help figuring out um solopreneur mindset and kind of getting in that place where it's up to you now and not necessarily up to up to other people so those will be in our show notes and we're happy to learn of other resources as well if if there are other books, videos, et cetera, out there that someone else knows that really helped them ditch that corporate mindset and really get into their solopreneur mindset. We'd love to know about it. Yeah. This, this podcast is for you. It's to serve you and meet your needs. So send us um, resources that you found, send us questions that you have, send us problems that you're having, reach out just to uh, get a couple of people to say, yep, me too. I've done that too. So you know, you're not alone. Um, you're, you're welcome to send us an email anytime and you can reach us at soul power podcast at gmail.com and that's soul power podcast s-o-l-e power podcast at gmail.com awesome we look forward to hearing from you and we look forward to presenting next week this has been a blast i'm so happy we're doing this i am having a great time and learning so much even about people who I thought I knew really well it's just little little nuggets that keep coming out that that are you know, it's just wonderful to do this podcast it's great motivation to keep going yes yes it is. <laughs> this is motivation to just keep going yes so thank you so much for joining us today this has been the soul power podcast I'm your host Angela Jordan and I'm your host Cheryl Burke Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Soul Power Podcast with Angela Jordan and Cheryl Burke. Soul Power theme song composed by Gabriel Harley.